I'm Pastor Norm. I'm the lead pastor here at The Hope. Uh, my wife and I are uh, a team, a partnership, and uh, we have been here 21 years. Yeah! And I believe this is going to be our greatest year yet. I really do. I, I'm feeling something is being birthed. The Holy Spirit is doing something in us that we have not seen before. He's getting our team ready. And I'm going to share quite a bit about where, where we're heading. And for some of you, you've heard this at least in part before. But I just want you to understand that God is doing the miraculous. If a, if a church is willing to operate in the Spirit, He wants to pour it on. And I think we're going to see that. We're already seeing that. Our uh, intercessors met this morning for prayer briefly, and they walked in the room, and I heard from two of them. They walked in that room, and it was like the Holy Spirit just hit them <laughs> in prayer. Hallelujah. That's exciting. If our intercessors are on fire, we're going to be too. Amen? Another call out to you if you're not in a ministry and you feel that being led to, to get in that ministry. See Martha Joe. Where's Martha Joe? Way in the back in the pink shirt, sweater. Amen. So, before I start, I had something I wanted to talk about quickly. Um, <laughs> Just to defend what Aaron said, it's proof that we've seen the sun in the last couple of weeks. We have an, one issue uh, that I guess I didn't think about. My bad. You can't drive that bus on the road. Anybody know why? School bus yellow. We got to get that thing painted. <laughs> Come on, it's always something. It's like busting into your plumbing. It's like... Something on anyhow, so we need a place or somebody. If you know somebody, someplace big enough to hold a 43 foot bus, and how tall is it? Nine, nine, eight, ten foot. <laughs> Let us know because we need to get this thing painted so we can get these ladies here without having to be transported in a van four times. And that's my plea for that. So let us know if you know somebody or you yourself can do this. This is uh, just a small part of what God's doing in this church. When we're obedient, the Lord just pours it on. When we hear from Him and we actually act on it, I said this before, it's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to sing it. It's another thing to mean it and do it. And it requires both, right? We need to do both of those things. And I really appreciate everybody here that's been stepping up. We have, last week we had our first pace setting leadership uh, training. Yes. And we had 20 people that came out. 
It's still time. If, if you only missed one, and we'll make sure you see that if you want to take it, come on out on Wednesday night and uh, be a part of this because this will really help you to be on that foundational level, to understand what our heartbeat is and what we're hoping to accomplish here at the Hope. You get just this little nugget from me every Sunday. We need so much more than that. You know, many of us, we go home and, and we've got that TV on all day long. I'm just saying. You don't have to raise your hand, but I know there are people like that. So that the world is, is just pouring in. Unless you happen to be connected to Christian TV or whatever, the world's pouring into you. And, and you've got to make sure that you put the right stuff in. That it counteracts or even combats what the world's trying to pour into you. Right? Otherwise, you're not going to be healthy. You're going to be thinking of Christianity, but it's not going to be in you. Jesus needs to be in you, living, real, holy, alive, which he is. And that's the kind of relationship he wants with us. So again, this week, I'm speaking on vision. And I'm, I'm, what I'm going to do I'm laying a foundation. I'm starting with the church, the vision overall. And then next week I want to get into specifics and I'm going to borrow a little bit from Dr. Dave Williams. Uh, and, and you'll hear this if you're in the pace-setting leadership class. He does it way better. But nevertheless, you're going to hear it from me next week on things you can personally do to catch a vision for your life. And this is the title, of course, Catch the Vision. God wants us to catch a vision from him. What is it that he wants for the, the individual in this church? What is it that he wants corporately for this church in order for us to all accomplish God's kingdom purpose? How many know that God has a kingdom purpose for every church and every person in the church? Right? Everybody has a purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, everybody has a purpose. That's not what today's message is about, but you need to understand that. I'm going to jump, I'm going to start out of the gate with one, a very familiar passage. Most of us have this memorized. But as you'll see, Jeremiah 29, 11, read it with me. This is God speaking, by the way. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. How many are encouraged by that? Amen. When the prophet Jeremiah gave this prophecy to the people, they were in captivity. Seventy years under Babylon's rule. And God was just trying to say, look, this isn't going to last forever. I have a hope and a future for you. A plan to prosper you and not to harm you. How many think that's good news? And it didn't just relate to them, the Israelites. It relates to us today, the modern church. God's vision unites his church. It binds us together with those strong cords of love. When you catch God's vision for the local church, it will instill a passion in you 
that will give you the energy to finish well. And how many know, so many today, they're stopping just before crossing the finish line. What a shame. We want everybody to make it, right? God wants all men to be saved, all women to be saved. Sadly, the devil gets into their hearts and minds and he convinces, convinces them of nonsense. Oh, is God really real? We need to share the love of Jesus more than ever before. People need to hear the good news of the gospel. And that's our job, people. And when we learn to serve God in this capacity, sharing the love of Jesus with others, that's when his people begin to experience joy and steadfastness. Meaning, it gives you the drive to finish. I want to finish well. Anybody else? Amen. I said this last week, we cannot do this on our own. Right? Right? Recently, we, uh, well, we, we're remodeling my bathroom downstairs, and first time in 21 years it was needed. And we bought this vanity from uh, one of the big box stores. And I wasn't really paying attention when we bought it to that little thing on the side of the box that gave the weight. Let me just put it like this. It weighs more than me, which is saying something. Maybe as much as Dave. It was close. And I had to get this thing from my garage, which we pretty much just slid it off the truck when I brought it home, and they put it on there with a fork truck, forklift. That gives you an idea. Well, I didn't know that the, the whole thing was connected, glued down already. You couldn't take it off. <laughs> yeah. Now, I could have tried to do that on my own. And I'd probably be in the hospital in traction right now. No, what did I do? I had to get help. I had to ask somebody else. I had to suck it up. Humble myself and say, boys, <laughs> and, and Troy, my youngest, he's like, Dad, I don't want to help you with that, but I will. <laughs> and Andy was there, and, and of course Sarah and Barb and me. and uh. So between the five of us, we wrestled that thing in, slid it into place, and thank God it, it just fit like a glove. It just... <laughs> anyway. But my whole point is I couldn't do it on my own even though I wanted to. I didn't want anybody helping. That's just the kind of guy I am sometimes. What I'm learning, what I'm learning is there are no lone rangers in God's kingdom that we're in this together. We need each other. We need each other's gifts, each other's talents. I couldn't do what these guys did up here this morning. Singing and, and playing guitar and drums and bass, keyboard. I couldn't do that. Maybe I could if I practiced, but I haven't, and that's not my gift. 
Aren't you glad that there are others that lead singing? Can you imagine if it was Pastor Barb and me up here leading singing? You must not know the story behind that. I'm not going any farther. I'm going to get in trouble. We are one body. We are one spirit. It's the pastor's responsibility to get all the right pieces into place. So that the church will run like a well-oiled machine. And one of my uh, verses that I like to share talks about the gifts that God's given to the church. You know, it goes through the list, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And verse 12, what is their responsibility? To equip God's people to what? Do Do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That doesn't mean I just sit back and... Watch you guys do all the work. It means, though, that as a pastor, my job is to look at what your gifts and talents are and get you in the right place. And that's what we're striving to do today. We're trying to get the right people into the right places. And when we get it all fit together, at least most of it, watch what happens. That's when God is going to release the floodgates, because he's going to know that we're ready to take on these these new believers. And he sends new folks in here every now and then, but not in by the dozen. Not by the dozen. Can you imagine if we had brand new babes in Christ a dozen a week, what that would do? You better hang on, because... It's possible, and I believe it's coming. But what happens when there is no vision? Let me point out the negative just for a moment. And there are a couple of passages that talk about this. First one is in Judges 12, I'm sorry, 21-25. And this talks about how without vision, everyone does their own thing. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right. In their own eyes. Can anybody see any similarities to today? Everybody seems to do whatever they think is right. These people had no leader to lead them. And as a result, everyone did their own thing. For those people and judges, it was disastrous. They fell into chaos until God provided the right leaders. Another is found in uh, 1 Samuel. And this is verse 3, or I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Listen to this sentence. This, this breaks your heart. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. You know what struck me as I was studying? God used, I'm sorry, I'm going to back that up. God needed to use a three-year-old boy. He was the only one that was listening. A three-year-old boy. Do you think that's an indictment? on Eli and and his, his sons who were supposedly the priests? 
Now, don't be, oh, that's terrible. Look at those guys. Don't be like that. Don't judge them because we're no different. How many of us are listening for God to speak to you? How many are getting up in the morning and saying, what do you have for me today? How many of you are asking the Lord weekly, God, what are you doing with this church? What's my part in the body of Christ? Don't make God have to raise up a three-year-old to hear from him. Come on now. Amen. And that, that's not a, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. And I include myself in this. We need to be listening to what God has to say to his church. Without godly vision, even the priests fell into immorality. We don't want that here. We want to know what the Holy Spirit's trying to accomplish at the Hope, in Gaylord, in northern Michigan, and beyond. I don't want to get political, but this nation is heading in a similar direction. We don't have godly leaders. We don't have moral leaders. And people no longer see the holy men and the holy women of God as help in times of trouble. They don't come to us, very seldom. And it's this mentality that each person sets up their own moral standard that's led to up being down and down being up, good being bad and bad being good. We see it every day, played out. Morality is whatever each person determines it to be, and everybody seems to be doing their own thing. Isaiah addressed this, something very similar in chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, and he said this, he said, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet, sweet is bitter, what sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. We're surrounded by this today. Whatever you feel, man, just do it. Isaiah went on to say of people like this that their flowers would rot, that their roots would dry up. In other words, this type of thinking, this type of living only leads to death. So we can't smile when we see this coming to pass. These people are going to hell. And they need to hear the good news. They need hope. They need to see, as, as Brother Aaron said earlier, the light that shines from within us. We need holy men and women of God to lead once again, especially in the church. We need leaders who've been called by God to catch a vision from the Lord so that the local church will know what God expects from them. What's their purpose? What's their divine call? How do we reach our community with the good news? How do we fight evil with good? How do we finish well the race that God set before each one of us? Every single one of us runs a different race. 
That's why it's so important not to judge somebody else because till you've walked in their moccasins for a mile, you don't know what they're going through. But at the same time, we're also here to encourage each other. And if we see a brother or sister that's sliding away, or, or we used to call it backsliding, I don't know what we call it today, not serving the Lord, you know, we need to go after them and say, hey, come on, pick them up, drag them along, help them to get back on their feet, whatever it takes. Amen. That's what the church is supposed to do. And one thing that needs to happen is the pastor and the church leaders, we need to write things down so that you know what to do. And this comes from another passage in the Old Testament. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3. And, and in this, the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly in tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Before I, I get into this, because we do write things down, right? You see things right here. You see it written down in plain language every Sunday. If you look at our website, you'll see things there that are written down in plain English. But we need to read it and apply it. If you only read it and you don't apply it, if you don't do something with it, what good is it? If you're truly a part of the local church, and this is from my heart as a pastor, your pastor, hopefully, take what God is saying and do something with it. Find your place. And when we do, when we all see what the Lord wants us to do, and then we do it, great things will be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. Together, we can defeat the enemies of God. Our enemies are God's enemies. God's enemies are our enemies. And we have real enemies. Would you agree with me that we're all in this fight together? Accordingly, we need to treat each other fairly, equally, as we strive to move in the direction that God's moving us. That's where the victory comes. That's when God's kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, as the pastor of the Hope Church, God's placed me here to lead his people in this local fellowship. He didn't place Barb and me here by consensus. I'm glad she's in here because I didn't tell you this, but I'm going to put a picture of us up here soon from <laughs> way back. When God chose us to lead this church, though we would have loved it to be unanimous, <laughs> the welcome. There were many who resisted our leadership. Because we have so many new people in here, I just want to share just briefly how we got here. And it's important for a couple of reasons, which I'll share when I'm finished. But back in 2002, 
I had just graduated from Southeastern Bible College. It's now Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. Barb and I both were really feeling led to take this church on the east coast of Florida. How many can understand why in this climate? <laughs> and we tried to get this church. I felt I was ready. She felt she was ready. We wanted to take a church. We had the experience. We were just trusting that that's God, that was God's will. So we tried to go through those doors, and you know what happened? Well, we're not there, so you do know what happened. <laughs> God shut the doors so tight that a pry bar wouldn't open them. And I tried, trust me. It's the only time I've ever gone across somebody's desk and got in their face and said, I'm feeling this. God's telling us this is... And, and that superintendent, God bless him, he just looked at me real patiently, real calmly, and went, Norm, it's not the time. And I was just like, I was crushed. And we're both like, Lord, we thought this was you. And then we heard that Michigan had 26 churches open that didn't have pastors. 2002. 26! That's a bunch at one time. So we determined that maybe God was calling us home, plus the big benefit was we'd be closer to our kids who live, all lived right around the Lansing area. We have four boys. We have grandkids now. So you get the, get the idea there. We headed to Michigan. We started looking at the list of open churches. And, and basically what we did, I meant to have a picture up, but I didn't do it. We drew a big circle around Lansing. And the furthest we wanted to be from the grandkids was two and a half to three hours away, right? <laughs> Naturally. You couldn't get us a little closer to Lansing. We were right on the fringe, man. I mean, I think that line went right through Gaylord. This was before the speed limit was 70. Think about that. We, we pinpointed, I think, eight or ten churches that were open, and we, we just got in the car and started driving. And we went through these different churches. Just, you know, sometimes you just need to get a feel, right? The Spirit talks to you when you're looking, when you, when you can see something. It just kind of resonates in you and you go, oh yeah. And that's when you get to start seeing a vision. The vision God has for you. You know, when you can put that in your head, and Dave talks about this so well, uh, and I'll share a little again next week. But what I want you to understand, though, sometimes you've got to get a mental picture of what God wants to do in your life. Because some days it's cloudy and you can't see real well, and if you don't already have that mental picture in there, what's going to happen? You're going to get discouraged. And you've got to call on that mental picture. God, you told me that this is what this was going to look like, and I'm trusting you. Well, anyway, so we went to these churches. We parked in the parking lot. We prayed a prayer. 
And this was one of them that we highlighted after spending time. Even though when we were in the parking lot, and, and some of you will remember this, I know you guys will, the weeds that were in the parking lot that were like this tall, weeds were growing up in the parking lot. There were milk pods growing up in the middle. And I'm like, what in the world? It, it, it looked like nobody was home. We get back to Lansing, and this is where the miracle happens. This is where God showed up big. We're praying, which one, Lord? You know, which one do you want us to take? And, and we put a couple applications in elsewhere. We heard from one church that they didn't want to hire us because um, we, were, we were, how'd they put it, too professional because we were once associate ministers on Pastor Dave's team in Lansing. So this is a little church, and they didn't want some, some multi-church guy coming in. We're like, okay. Barb and I decided we'd go to Mount Hope Lansing and just say hi to our friends. And we walked into the church on a weekday. And there was Dave Williams walking down the hallway. What a coincidence. And Dave goes, hey, Norman Barb. He's always so nice. Hey, Norman Barb, what are you guys doing? Oh, well, we're back in Michigan and we're looking at open churches. We're looking for a church. We want a pastor. And he goes, oh, that's cool. Well, I trust God's going to give you the right one. You know how he, he's like Daddy Williams. And then he went off and he went to a staff meeting, and we went our way. He gets in the staff meeting, and the first thing that his missions director, Bruce Van Hall at the time, said was, hey, Brother Leach, the superintendent of Michigan, the Michigan district, he just got a hold of me, and he said, they really, 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 really need a pastor in Gaylord. But it can't just be somebody fresh out of college. they got to have some experience because this church has a lot of indebtedness and a lot of difficulties going on there, and they need to have maturity. Now, this is where, you know, you might wince. You mean God thought you had maturity? But anyway, Dave pipes up. What about Norman Barb? He just saw us in the hall. God aligns our steps. He directs our steps. Right? right? Yeah. And Bruce goes, I didn't even know they were in town, let alone looking for a church. I'll get a hold of them. And they all agreed that we would be a, a good, because they, they'd worked with us for eight years. After he got out of the staff meeting, he calls me and says, Hey, Norm, Barb, can you guys come to lunch? I want to talk to you about something. And we're like, oh, they want us to help with the, they had a 4th of July car show. And we thought they wanted us to help with that, you know, just, just to be nice, just to help us get involved. And when we sat down with him, he goes, Hey, uh, we've been asked to take this church in Gaylord, Michigan. Make it a Mount Hope Church sent, which that's when they send a team to a, a church, a building, whatever, and that team plants a church. Well, this was kind of different because the only two they sent was Barb and myself. 
Usually you took a team of 10 or 20. But nobody wanted to drive three hours north to plant the church, which I understand that. But they, they supplied our income for six months, and then after six months you're supposed to be healthy and, and they let you go on your own. All that said, we were excited, we were pumped, and we told Bruce, we said, man, you know, this was probably the church that we were looking at the most. And they sent us here. God answered our prayers. And what that showed us was, God called us to be the pastors of Gaylord, this church. At the time, it was Mount Victory. It's gone through many changes since. But here's the thing. If we hadn't had that sure call when we got here that first Wednesday night when they installed us, out of 13 people, nine of them sat there in their seats going like this. When the presbyter said, come on up, pray for your new pastors, four of them came up, the rest just glared at us. I'm not, you know what, I'm not trying to get pity points here. What I'm trying to get you to see is we knew God called us. We walked out of here. We, we felt it, certainly, right? Anybody would. Oh, and I forgot the other little, little detail. When we pulled in the parking lot, and again, some of you have heard this, there was a, a, back, a baseball backstop right here by the back, where the back parking lot is now. And I looked out there and I went, what in the world is that? And my eyesight was a lot better back then. I said, it looks like an animal's hanging off that backstop. And I went back, sure enough. Somebody had fashioned a noose out of a rope, so I knew they had Royal Ranger training or something like that. And they hung the raccoon in it and tied it up. It was dead, obviously. And I'm, I, I looked at Barb, and, and I said, somebody's trying to send us a message. <laughs> and not a good one. And I looked at her, and it was so funny. I said, I'm cutting this thing down. She goes, what if it's a Royal Ranger project? I mean, come on, we were brand new into this. And I looked at her, and I said, then I'm doing my first official act right here and, and I pulled out my leather man and I cut that thing down and as soon as I cut the rope that animal hit the ground and you know what happens if, if they've been out in the listen to what it did it went <laughs> no it wasn't a lie that was the gas in the stomach <laughs> but if you don't think what, you know what I was thinking, this thing's demonic, you know? I've heard people growl like that, that were demon, demonized. That's what we started with. But we knew God had called us and we did not tuck and run. All right? We weren't going to let anything sidetrack us from what God had called us to do, and that was to raise up a church in Gaylord, Michigan. And I'm happy to say that we are close to being out of debt. That's, that $600,000 debt that plus that we inherited is down to 
like 170. And it's taken 21 years, but we're getting there. And that's the only indebtedness we have is the mortgage. And someday I'm looking forward to this when we get to burn that thing. <laughs> right? And you'll be right there with us. That's how we ended up here. I just wanted you to know that. There are no coincidences in God's economy. You may think it's a coincidence. You may have landed here just by choice, by accident today, or so you think. No. God knows what he's doing. I just read where the Detroit Symphony is going to be uh, doing a concert over in uh, Interlochen. Thank you. I've heard Detroit, the Detroit Symphony is the best we have in Michigan, if not other states as well, but I'm just so excited, and I'm thinking, man, to have an orchestra like that, getting every instrument to do the right thing, play the right note at the right time, at the right level. Yeah, and they do that. And God does that with his church. He's up there orchestrating every person in every position, whether it's the nursery or the ushers, the greeters. I, I love Myron was over here at the door. I picked on him earlier. He's over at the door greeting people as they came in. I love seeing that. Everybody's needed. Right? Jeff's in the back. Is Jeff here today? No Jeff today? Oh, he's in there. And he's in there making coffee for the ladies. And Bill and Teresa are in there cleaning the kitchen. And they're putting coffee out and creamers out for everybody. They're, this doesn't happen by chance. Everybody's doing their part. Thank you, if that's you. I said all this to say that God chose the pastors for this church. God chose us. That was us back in 2002. <laughs> yeah, I know. I actually, I had a full head of hair and it wasn't silver. It wasn't a coincidence that we ended up here. That's what I was trying to get to. We were called. God uses leaders like me like us, to hear from him and then pass the message along to you, the body of Christ. Weekly, you hear what God puts on my heart or whoever the leader is on their heart. Weekly, I share the vision for this church, or at least I try to, what I perceive the Lord's telling the church to do, whether it's in Gillard or northern Michigan or maybe even across the globe, as Aaron alluded to earlier. We support a lot of different ministries, and one of the things I really want to get off the ground this year is starting to do more mission projects where some of you can experience maybe even foreign soil under your feet. It will change your life. It does. And the Lord reminded me as I was praying this week and studying that His vision for this church has been and is to be a spiritual hospital. 
where we'll see a rich harvest of souls brought into the kingdom of God, where those souls are discipled for Jesus. It can be summed up with just two little sentences found directly from Luke 4. Our job is to set the captives free, just like Jesus said he had come to do. And we're setting them free from what? A sinful life. From death. It's going to lead to death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We want them to get to the eternal life, not the other side. And two, to help the blind to see. And I don't mean physically. We're talking in a spiritual sense. Just as I shared these scriptures last week. But Jesus pointed to the Pharisees and he said to them, You guys are blind. They should have known because they understood the Torah. They understood all the writings of the Jewish people. They knew a Messiah was coming. And they still didn't see it. And Jesus said, you should know, but it's even worse that you don't know because you have all of this knowledge in you and you still don't see it. My paraphrase, of course. When we catch this vision, our church will become the powerhouse that God intends it to be. Where there's unity, where God's people work together, doing their part of what the Lord is directing us to do. That's where God begins to pour out His blessing and the miracles follow. Unity is key. I've shared this passage, and I'm not, I'm, I cut out the middle part for time. Psalm 133, you can go back and read it. It just talks about the oil running down the beard and so on. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Now, you can insert sisters too. I don't think God was saying just brothers, but in the Old Testament, that's just how they address people. Women were. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Verse 3, it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I love this. Three little verses. That's the whole, that's Psalm 133 in its entirety, with the middle part cut out. It's short. What's God saying? He loves it when his people are together. Look at your neighbor and say together. Unity leads to the blessing of the Lord forevermore. What this should do is it should help us to live our lives with intentionality. To zip this up when we're not in accordance with what this is saying. Too often we let this flapper go. And it gets us in trouble. I just read this from a non... Well, he's Christian. I'll say he's Christian. Old friend of mine from uh, elementary school. His name was Pete. Pete shared this on his post last week. He said, you know what? My mama used to say, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. And I thought, that's good wisdom. We can take that to the bank. 
Because if, if you're not offending somebody, what are you doing? You're building unity. If you're not gossiping about somebody, what are you doing? You're building strength in the body. Because the devil does everything he can to divide us, to separate us. And you know this, and I just talked to somebody about this. I'm not sure who it was. We're talking about how the coyotes are so good at this. They will, the female will come in and try to get a, a family pet, usually a, a male, to follow her. Oh, a female. You know, when they, they say that dogs can smell 10,000 times better than we can, so I can only imagine what they're smelling. What that female coyote smells like, I don't even want to go there. But apparently to the dog, it's a good thing, all right? And they are butt sniffers after all, so who knows, you know? <laughs> they will try to get that family pet outside of its safety zone and once it's far enough away from the, the homestead or the house, wherever it is, there's a gang of them waiting. Sometimes half a dozen or a dozen. And what do they do? Brutus becomes dinner. I see it all the time in Mishaway. <laughs> People post it on Facebook. Oh, have you seen my dog? It was lunch. I'm sorry. Don't let them run. Coyotes are hungry. I shared this last week once again. Proverbs 29:18, kind of my key verse. Where there is no pr prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Blessed is he who keeps the law. And then Proverbs 29 18 from the NLT says, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. How many could use some joy today? Amen. Hallelujah. How many could use some? I said this earlier when you sing that song, Lord, have your way, <laughs> do whatever you want to do. Uh huh. Whoever obeys the law. You know, what's the law? This is God's standard right here. If you do what this says, you'll be good. And when God gives divine guidance, it always lines up with this. You, you know that, right? I don't have to tell you that. You guys are smart enough to know that. So let's take this to heart. I want joy, but we all have a choice. We can do the Lord's work, listen to his divine guidance, get on board and do what the local church is trying to do, or we can do our own thing. It's really up to us. I want God's blessing, and I, I trust you do too. So let's catch a vision from the Holy Spirit that's bigger than ourselves. That's bigger than the hope that includes the body of Christ. As I begin to close, if somebody would 
come and play softly, or maybe not so softly, I don't know. We all need to catch a vision, catch the vision. And I'm asking you this week to seriously pray about this message. Let it sink into your heart. God called me to be the pastor of the Hope Church. God called Pastor Barb to be the pastor of the Hope Church by extension. And the vision that God gives us is intended to draw all of us together, not to divide us. Where we'll do the work of the kingdom together. And as I've already said over and again, that's where we will experience God's blessing. Where there is unity, God will pour out a blessing. And that's where we'll be filled with joy. Would you stand with me? There wasn't a lot of redundancy in this message this week from last, but there was some. And, you know, sometimes I ask people, why do you keep going over things over and over? Statistically, they say that you need to hear something at least 11 times before you get it. There are some commercials that I could repeat back to you right now because I've seen them 11 times or more. That's not a good thing but it's truth. How much more the important things of God as he tries to give us guidance, as he tries to pour himself into us. He has a plan and a purpose for every person in this room. A plan to prosper you and not to harm you. A plan to give you a hope and a future. And when you call on him, he will listen. He is listening. We have to get to that place where we say yes to him. Yes, I want all of God. I want all of God's plan for my life. Whatever that means, whatever I look like in God's economy, that's what I want to be. And it's, it takes trust, faith. I'm going to get into that a lot more next week, the topic of faith, because as I said last week, faith and vision are very similar. But today I just want to, and, and this, this is coming from my heart. Um, man, whenever this happens, the Holy Spirit showed me two things, two different types of people, and I don't know if it's an individual or more than one in each category, but Please hear this with nobody moving around just for a minute. The Lord showed me how somebody here has been hurt by the church, by a church leader or a pastor in the past. And your wounds go deep. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know that that wasn't his intent. And his plan wasn't that you were so deeply hurt that now you can't function as a part of the body. And I believe what he wanted me to say to you is give your pastor another chance. If, if I hurt you, please 
If you've been hurt to the point where you can't function in this church, talk to me. Let's, let's weep together. Let's, let's lay this at the altar and get it dealt with. If that's me, if I was the one. But I sensed that it wasn't so much me as it was somebody else that you had as a pastor in your past. And the Holy Spirit just wants you to give this guy another chance. Give Pastor Norm, give Pastor Barb another chance to be your pastor. The second person, it was a kind of a similar issue, but not so much. And this is somebody that's having an issue yielding to the authority of the pastor in the church. Um, when I saw this and, and the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, he was saying, Norm, he said, there's somebody in, in this church that they think that they're all that, that they're wiser than you, they're they're smarter than you. And that may be true. I, I never claim to have it all because <laughs> I told you this. Even after going through the master's program, what did I learn? How much I don't know. But this is for this person that you can't come under the authority of the church because of your pride. And the Holy Spirit is saying this. He's saying, repent. Repent. Whoever that is, I, I don't know if it's an individual, I don't know if it's a couple people, whatever. And I'm going to let you deal with this. You, you need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for being like this. Because what, what God showed me is you're outside of the umbrella of the authority of the pastor. And you want to be under that. You want to have that covering over you, that spiritual covering but God can't do that until you yield to Him. Whatever that looks like. And I'm, I'm going to leave that there. This is for you. Uh, you do with it as you will. If you feel like you need to talk to me, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'll be up here after. You can call me this week, whatever. I want to be here for you. I want everybody whole and healthy. I want us to catch a vision together in unity. And now I want to do this last thing and I don't know if maybe we can't. I, w I wanted to, to do a, just let you guys come and get your tanks filled. How many need your tank filled this week? How many already got it filled? All right? Now we're working on it, right? Before I close, though, I've got to do this. I don't ever want to. There are a lot of people in here I don't know. You might be here today and say, Pastor Norm, I don't know Jesus. I, I haven't made a commitment to him. But I'd like to know him. I, I want to give my life to the Lord. Romans, Romans says this. Paul said this in Romans. Let me just read it. Because the way I am, who knows what I'll say. If you couldn't tell, I've had a little sinus infection going on. And God got me through this morning because I didn't have a voice two days ago. Paul said this, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and it's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. And he said this, verse 9 of chapter 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, 
And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And then in verse 13, it, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I would like to pray with you if you're here today and you'd say, I need Jesus. If you haven't prayed that prayer as Romans 9 and 10 dictates, would you just lift your hand up so I can see you? Anybody here today need Jesus? Don't be embarrassed. I see those hands going up all over. Thank you. Anybody else? Others? Thank you. I see that hand. Hallelujah. I want the whole church to pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, I ask you today, change me from the inside out. I know I have a hardened heart, and I need you to change that. Soften it. Start by forgiving me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. I believe that as I commit my life to him, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I pray today, mighty God, God of grace and mercy, forgive me of all my sins known and unknown and make me a new person in Jesus name Amen Hallelujah give God the glory now I know a lot of hands went up and if you have not gotten that little booklet Ken hold that one of them up the little green booklet we call the new life the start of something wonderful uh, grab one of those on your way out. They're free. We want you to take it with you. And that will help get you on the right path toward heaven as you become a disciple of Jesus. And by the way, just to say this, this isn't just a once and done thing, right? This is forever. So look at this day as a new day. It looks like the sun's out. Go out there and enjoy that sun and just look up and say, thank you, Father, for loving me enough to send Jesus in my place. Now, Lord, just take this body of believers and help us, Lord, to catch a vision. Help us to meditate on what you want from us. What's our part? Whether it be in this church or if we don't live in Gaylord, Lord, and we end up somewhere else. Maybe it's in uh, Flint or Lansing, Dearborn, wherever it might be. Lord, just help those people to find the right body of believers where they can get plugged in and begin serving you. We love you, and Lord, we just commit this church, this people of the hope into your hands. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. Hey, hug somebody's neck that you haven't met, but ask permission first. Hey, go with Jesus.